Guys, welcome to the Pure Progress Lifestyle, where the only thing that matters is progress. Today I'm joined by Nico Lagan. I say that right, Lagan? Lagan, close enough. Close enough. <laughs> uh, Nico, you're in Times Square. You're an entrepreneur. You're a men's coach. And you have your own podcast, the Nico Lagan? Or, yeah, 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 man. Yeah, Lagan Show. And you're also an author. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to have you on the show today because you're a big believer in, you know, teaching men to be men again. And I do feel like that is so lost in today's generation or not just generation, but it's been this thing that's just been like being dug deeper and deeper and deeper over the years. And so many men just don't know where to go anymore. 100%. It's, um, it, this is how it started for me too. My dad wasn't there when I was young. Like my dad left, I was 14 years old and I was left to my own demise. Basically I was raised by a single mother. Mm. And you know, when you have a 14 year old boy that doesn't know where to look for a man influence, because deep down we all do. It is within every single man out there to want to learn how to become a man. And yeah. if we do not have that masculine figure in their life, guess what? We're going to start looking for it. But what the hell did I know when I was 14 years old? How the hell did I know what a good man was when I was 14 years old, right? Right. So for more than six or seven years, that's the trail I was on. I did, I became a drug addict. I was an alcoholic. I sold drugs. I ended up quitting school. I think I was 15 years old when I dropped out of school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is what men go through today if you look uh, it's between 30 and 40 percent of young of young men or boys are raised by single mother with no father figure and i'm not saying biological father i'm just saying father figure as a whole right so this is why i do it just because i don't want the boys that i don't want me from oh shit 25 26 27 years ago to yeah. if I can avoid that, if I can help guys not be on that path that I was on, I'll be I'll die happy. Mm. Why do you think that is? Like, oh, well, it's it's multifaceted. But at the end of the day, I, I've pondered this question a lot over the past year, and I can tell you that the only real the, the only real problem, and we're not talking symptoms, we're really talking about the root problem, is mm. a lack of responsibility. There's no accountability anymore. If you look at every single problem out there, name it, and it all comes down to the fact that somebody somewhere did not do their job, did not do what they were supposed to do, and they played the victim role or they blamed other people for their problems. It's always what it comes down to. Mm. And if it comes to men, especially, and especially boys and young men, it comes down to a lack of father figure and the 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 I bet you're from the U.S. considering the cap that you're wearing right now. So, if you look at the family law system that we have in Canada, where I'm from, we have the same, and it is heavily biased towards women. Ninety mm. percent of so seventy to ninety percent of divorces are initiated by women, and in ninety percent of the case, women get the children. 
mm. 90% of the case. And it's not because there's no good men out there, there's no good fathers, or there's no fathers that want to take their roles. Is because there's an extremely biased system that is in place that prevents men from being in the in the life of their children. And, there is for sure. And and you know what? I might sign. I, I might sound. I might sound like a conspiracy theorist here to some people out there, but to me, there's a vast movement to feminize men. Mm. You look at what's going on in society today where men are both men are women, women are men, however they feel like we see that more and more men are being called toxic men. that are traditionally manly that believe that there is a difference between a man and a woman are being shamed are being vilified. They're being called toxic and it goes it's astonishing because if you look at it, it starts at the family where we're not taking responsibility for our actions. We're not marrying partners that we have shared value with. Because mm. this, at the end of the day, is what you and I can do. Choose a partner that you're going to have kids with that you shared values with, mm. deep-rooted values. Not, don't, don't make the same mistake I made when I got married and choose a woman based on her look. Don't use your dick in order to ch- to, to, to actually find a partner find somebody that their values how they see raising a family how they see educating kids how they see the world as a whole aligns with your values and this is where it starts this is where you and i can do something as just regular guys right i have i have to agree with that because when you know when you're that age the one thing that you're is constantly on your mind is just what am i going to do with this what mm-hmm. am I going to do with this? Like, boners everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all that's on your mind. It's just women, 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 women. And one of the big things that men can teach other men is, dude, there's not, that energy is good, but that energy has got to be used for something else. Cause oh, if you oh, use yes. that to what's on your mind, it's going to ruin you. Mm-hmm. It's, if it's like your emotions, it's the same thing as your emotions. If you let your emotions control you as a man, you're doomed. You mm-hmm. will never accomplish anything. And, not only will you not accomplish anything, look at what's going on right now. This is another symptom of not having good men in society right now. Young boys, boys that are now eternal teenagers that call themselves men, but literally never grew up, still have no control over their emotions. So how do you expect them to control their sexual urges? They have no idea what it means to use your sexual energy. And as a man, which is your strongest energy that you possess, that your body produces, is your will to reproduce. If you are not, if you are letting that control you and you're masturbating into oblivion, guess what? Mm. All that energy is being wasted. Not only are you being hooked on dopamine by how pornography works, but you're wasting your more powerful energy instead, as you said, to reinvest or channel it into something that makes sense, like building yourself to be successful. Mm. You know, it's funny. If you go back to sports, like one of the, uh, I don't, I don't know if you're a big baseball person, but one of the biggest things with baseball is if you're on a hot streak, you know, hitting streak, Mm -hmm. pitching streak, never ever seduce a woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was like, people didn't know why. Like it weakens, it weakens, man. It's like, it's not that it weakens you. It's your energy. Mm-hmm. Like if you yep. are pitching, if you've thrown 13 games where you've won all of them 
and it's because you haven't had sex with a woman. It's because you haven't had sex with a woman. Yeah. It's yeah, very it's simple. 100%. And it was um, Napoleon on the Hill that first started talking about this and thinking grow rich, mm -hmm. how sexual energy is the most powerful energy a man can produce, and he should never waste it on a woman. As bad as this sounds, if you want to be successful at whatever you want, it can be sport, it can be business, it can be just being a good human being, just be a good man. If you want to learn how to temper yourself, learn to control your sexual energy and don't let it control you and re-channel that energy in something that really matters. It is not easy. It is extremely hard. It's probably one of the hardest things that a man can do. Yeah. But if you look at most, if not all, extremely successful people, they had control over that. Mm. They had control. It is something that they understood that not only sex with women, but masturbation as a whole, because at least sex with women, you need to have that in a partner. Like if you have a relationship with your significant other, you need to be able to have sex with her. Right. You need to be able to share that tender moment with her because women want that. But right. But wasting your most powerful energy into a Kleenex is not something that our boys should be taught. It's something that, on the contrary, they should be learned how to control it. Because if you, you know, if you take it even further, there's, I'm a very spiritual person and there's, um, there's someone that was talking about how every single woman that you sleep with will leave an imprint on you of all the men they've ever slept with. All of that stuff they carry with you. So if you believe in karma, if you believe that the energy you put out there is out there, and if you look at the first law of thermodynamics, energy is never, is never destroyed. It is simply redistributed. So right. if you're putting bad sexual energy out there, it leaves an imprint on those people. By you sleeping with those people, they're imprinting you with that sexual energy that maybe comes from them, maybe comes from all the partners that they've been sleeping with. So mm. on every single angle that you look, any side of the coin that you look at when it comes to sexual energy from a man, it should always be used in a very logical way, in a way that you understand that it is conscious. Do not let your urges control you, but mm. control your urges. And by you controlling your urges, you're going to develop something that most men can only dream of, and it's temperance. If you're capable of challenge, if you're capable of controlling your sexual urges, you can control your emotions like this afterwards. It's going to be easy for you to be more stoic. Mm. So what's, uh, how did you get into this? Like what, what is something that you finally were like, dude, I gotta, I gotta do something here. Something's gotta change when you're growing up. You, you know, it's, when I was when I was 20 years old, I decided I got to uh, live by myself for, for years. I left my mother's. I think I was 17. I dropped out of school. I was 15. Started selling drugs, starting uh, doing all the stupid shit that I did back then. And then by 17, I was gone. I was living by myself. And by 20, my mom gave me a call. I remember my mother calling me and she's like, she only asked me a very simple question. Are you happy? Mm-hmm. I was in a situation where I was getting evicted from my apartment. I had been offered a very good job down the wrong path. Like, you know, it was literally like you see in movies or you read in books where there's two paths. 
you're literally at those two paths and you're like, okay, I have an opportunity to go down the road I'm already going down to, to make a shit ton more money than you're doing right now. But you're digging your own grave at this point. You are going down a path you should not be going to. So, or the other one, my mother looked, my mother called and she's like, are you happy with your life? If you're not, I can give you a roof over your head. I can't pay I can't, you're going to have to work. You're going to have to go back to school. You're going to have to do something, but at least I can give you an opportunity to not have to worry about a roof over your head. Mm. And this is when it happens. I was 20 years old. That was 21 years ago. And I can tell you that every 10 years I step, I always step a major point in my life every 10 years. So at 20, I decided to go back to school, finish my high school, get my, I got a, a small college degree. Like I'm not an educated person on paper, but I, I decided to switch my life around, stop smoking, stop doing drugs. I wasn't even drinking anymore. I started lifting weights. I started doing martial arts. So mm. at 20, I completely, I did a 180. I removed everybody in my life. Everybody. I did not keep anybody from those friends in my life. And I just decided to concentrate on me and doing something better. Mm. So would you say... This um, journey down to self-education led you to a road like, I got an opportunity here to really start uh, changing people's lives for the better. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What I'm doing right now is not by choice. It's my purpose. This is why I was meant to do. This is my God-given purpose. I was meant to help other men. If you If I look throughout my life, my dad left. I was 14. I saw him a handful of time by the time he died when I was 29. Mm-hmm. The last time I saw my father, I think I was 21 years. No, I was 19 years old. Last time I spoke to him, I was 21 and he died. I was about 29. So I would, everything that I've done, I've accomplished because of a lack of fatherhood, because there was no masculine men. I've always been chasing and looking for those very masculine men throughout my life. And unconsciously, I found them like, if you want to call it God, you want to call it fate, call it however you want. But I believe, I don't believe in coincidences. Mm. Zero. I don't believe, and everything happens for a reason. The only reason people call it a coincidence is that they've never put the time into trying to understand what's going on. Mm. They don't sit down and review what happened and try to understand why was that person put on my path or why did that happen to me? They don't put the unconscious conscious. Like mm. they don't take the time to reflect on it. And, you know, when you wish for things, they tend to happen for you. They, they're not, you have to do the work. Of course, it, nothing's going to happen when you're sitting your ass on the couch watching Netflix, except your life will be wasted. But the point is that when you start working towards something, people tend to show up on your path. Mm. They tend to show up and be there. And it's just up to you to recognize them in the moment because. What's the difference between somebody that's successful and somebody that isn't is the simple fact that they saw something happening as it was happening. How many regrets do people have to say, oh, man, I wish I did that 10 years ago. I wish I would have thought about that. Mm. But if they were aware, if they were paying attention, they would have recognized that there was an opportunity. Whatever that opportunity is, the opportunity was there and you could have taken it if you saw it coming. It always starts there, right? Right. Or how many people that have on their deathbed have, you know, wished that uh, Mm -hmm. they would have just did something regardless of how it 
how it panned out. The Just number one regret step. of the dying is to live a life that others expected of them and not the life they wanted to live. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, so many people, you see it. They're so like just men. They're scared to take that leap into mm -hmm. uh, the unknown. Yep. 100%. But it's like at the same time, when we all die, what do you have to show for it? You, you, you know, work I, a, a beautiful nine to five job till you hit retirement. And then what? And nobody. I, you're hold on, man. That you, you're saying something. There's a quote I posted yesterday. I can't remember, but it did exactly what you're saying. So you're, we're, hold on, hold on. Mm -hmm. The quote was saying, uh, there we go. The fear of death follows from fear of life. A man who lives his life fully is prepared to die at any time. Mm. Love that. And it's true. If you're scared of dying, you will never live. Yes. Because you're scared of dying. Right. I would also say if you're scared of any bad consequences mm -hmm. to whatever choice you make, You're yep. not living either. No, no, because you're too worried about the consequences instead of being worried to live. Right. Now, uh, you've written a book, um, Purpose, How Following Your Personal Legend is the the answer for your midlife crisis. Yeah, man. Purpose is like such a huge thing that everybody lacks, everybody's trying to find, everybody, mm -hmm. you know, wishes they had. Yep. What's your definition on how somebody discovers their purpose you know this is this is a great question but it is it is a hard question for most people the the answer is hard for most people because again they don't have the balls to do what they they're supposed to be doing they're not ready to sacrifice what needs to get sacrificed in order to get there but at the end of the day what it comes down to is knowing yourself and it's it's all it starts there like i have a coaching program that is designed just to help men find purpose and it always stems from the the first step is always the same it is to get to know who you've become to understand what you are not what your job is not what your title is but who you are as an individual what are the skills that you possess that you've acquired over the years what are you good at Not necessarily what you're passionate of, but remove the emotional aspect of it and just look at yourself for what you are. Look at yourself in the mirror and look, okay, what are my, nat what are my natural abilities? Some people are athletic. So yeah. some people should be directed in sports. Should, some people should be taught to discipline in order to practice every day, to eat well, not to go drinking, not to party because they have natural gifts. That's been given to them by God. You're, you're born with athletic skills. I have them. It's not something I can develop them, but it's not something it was given to me. Right. Some people are intellectual. Some people are artists. Whatever it is, we have natural skills that were given to us from a day, from a young age, but most of us never developed them. Mm. We're fully aware. You know, that's why it all comes back to when you were a child. What you did naturally as a child will have very strong tendencies to what your natural skills are because a child doesn't question. They just do. Right. They're, they're, you're not shamed at that age. You're not ashamed of what you are. If you want to do something, you, you guess what? You just do it. And mm. this is why getting to know, I'm a big, big fan of meditation. I've been meditating for 10 or 12 years now. And you know, 
I found my purpose. And this is the part that people are not, are not ready to do. You need to spend time by yourself. You need to distract in order to find out who you are, remove all the distractions that you have around you. Mm. And I found my purpose through spending one and a half year alone by myself in the woods. Really? Like before over the past, yeah, over the past four years, I haven't lived a regular life in more than four years now. In 2020, when we all know what happened back in March 2020, as a Canadian, I was capable. I was a sales engineer back then. So for 12 years, I wore a suit and I was in front of customers day in, day out, selling very high-end products. And back in March 2020, I had the opportunity to work remotely. I didn't have to be in the office anymore. Mm-hmm. But back then, you weren't allowed to interact with people that were outside of your bubble, as they call them. Like the restrictions in Canada were really, were really, really stiff. Right. And But I had an investment house in the middle of nowhere, like log house, top of a mountain, middle of the woods. And I was always renting it out on Airbnb. I wasn't going there. I was just, it's just a property to make money. But I, I, I'm like, why am I in the city anymore? I live alone. I don't have anybody with me. I have my two dogs. I'm like, why the hell am I in? Why am I staying here? So mm-hmm. I got rid of my place in the city. I moved to the middle of nowhere. So for a year and a half, I lived literally the closest grocery store was 25 minutes away in a small town of probably 5,000 people. Mm-hmm. And I was about an hour away or an hour and a half away from the closest real grocery store or real um, Walmart, for example. So I was very far away from where people live, but I could, I, I spent so much time by myself with no distractions mm-hmm. that it allowed me to reflect on what I am, that voice inside of you. You know, they say you have two voices inside of you. You have the one that's bringing you down all the time. That's always talking. It's your fears talking. And then you have your real voice, the voice that's connected to God, the, the voice that is telling you what you are. In a good way, but unfortunately, until you remove that fear voice, until you can remove or dial down the the one that's telling you what you cannot do, you'll never hear your own voice that's been trying to speak to you your whole life. So remove all the distraction, start meditating. And that's what I did. I just continued meditating. I removed the distractions. I wasn't around people that were naysayers anymore. And I just reflected on what I was, not my job, because I realized back then that everything I did was a lot, was about my job. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the biggest thing. We all do this now. We, you ask somebody, we, we don't even ask people, who are you anymore? We ask them what they do, like their job right. defines them. Right. And for some people, their job does define them. And it's okay because this is what they were meant to do. Mm-hmm. But for probably 99% of people, their jobs is just something they do to make money to support their family. That's it. Like it's, it's not this, it's not what they're supposed to be doing, but they are in the situation that that's what they're doing. Mm. And this yeah. is the first step is just to spend time. I would recommend anybody out there if they really want to figure out who they really are and what their purpose are. The next vacation you take, take a week or two by yourself, rent a cabin somewhere in the middle of nowhere, away from your wife, away from your kids, away from your job, away from any type of interaction, leave your phone at a home and bring a bunch of books that you should have read a long time ago mm. and just spend time by yourself. If you have a dog, bring the dog with you. Cause to me, dogs are, 
if you want to live, if you want to live to learn, if you want to learn to live a conscious life, have a dog. Dogs don't care about yesterday. They don't care about tomorrow. They care about, you know, there's those memes on Facebook. That's the guy sitting down with his dog and they have bubbles showing what they're thinking. The guy has a million things. <laughs> the dog has an image of exactly what he's seeing. That's right. why I love dogs. I'm a big fan of dogs. And that's why, because my dog don't care. Yeah. My, my, my German shepherd, I work outside on my laptop four or five hours a day. She's sitting right next to me and she don't care. All yeah. she cares about is that she's close to me and that she's enjoying. That's it. Mm. All that matters. But that's what I suggest to people. Start there. Spend time by yourself. And not. I'm not saying, oh, spend an hour by yourself at night. No, no, no. Take two weeks off. Take a week off. Take two weeks off. Whatever you're capable of taking, rent a cabin in the really middle of nowhere and go there. If you have a dog, great. Go there. But no friends. Please, no alcohol, no drugs. Really, don't try to tame your boredness. The whole point is for you to be bored to a point where you have to start talking to yourself. We all talk to ourselves, but we, we normally down talk to ourselves. But instead, give you the opportunity to just reflect. Take Sorry. a journal, write down whatever comes to mind. Just spend time by yourself. It's almost like you're accessing, you know, another realm, the answers that you've never had before, or they've been there. You've just never been, you've They're- never listened. You know, Buddha spent, if you look at mythology or if you look at religion, I don't think it's mythology, but people call it mythology. But if you look at Buddhism, Buddha spent 40 days and 40 nights and 40 nights in the wilderness where he met the devil, where he interacted with an evil force. There's no evil force. It's you. At the end of the day, all he did is spend so much time alone that his conscious and his unconscious mind started talking to each other. They finally were paying attention to each other. You look at the Bible, Jesus Christ spent also 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. Once again, is there a devil or not? If you need to put a face on the devil and say that it's a little red guy with horns and a fork, all the best to you. But at the end of the day, it's you. You are as good as you are evil. And you're more evil if you don't know how to be good. Because being evil is easy. It takes no talent at all. Just be an asshole and start caring about yourself alone. You're evil. But the point is that you need to spend time by yourself. You mm. need to. Now, let me ask you a question. You think maybe that's why you always hear people like, ah, I got to be alone. I just got to be alone. We're built to have to have alone time so we can get the answers that we seek. Unfortunately, no. It's not. The, the, and let me explain why I say no. I, I understand what you're saying. But you have two types of people out there. You have introverts and you have extroverts, right? If you look at my best friend, we are the same. If you have you ever done a 16 personality test, like the uh, personality test to see what type of individual you are, what type of people you should have around you? How do you get information? How do you speak to people? Have you ever done that? Uh, I've done a personality test, but not probably not uh, that extent to 16 to where I need who I should have around me, who I should. Oh, so I would suggest just Google 16 personalities. I'm doing that they, have right a, they have a free test. You can just, you can just go get it. They'll probably take you like book an hour of your time in order to do it properly and do it in a way. The only thing I suggest is that you do it in a way where you're not answering the questions as to what you wish you would do. Be right. honest and answer. If there's a question, don't answer it as, Oh, I wish I would be that. No, no, no. Be honest, be truthful and answer the question how you would act in that specific situation. And 
you know, the two main categories, there's, there's four categories and, but the two main ones are when it comes down to introvert and extrovert. And all it means is how you recharge your batteries. In a, if you are tired, really? if you are tired, like right now, let's say you're exhausted. Mm-hmm. How do you recharge your batteries? Do you want to spend time by yourself away from everybody where you can relax, recharge, or would you go out? Are you more the type of person that when they're exhausted, they want to be around people. They want to recharge their batteries by being around people. That makes you an extrovert. If you are an introvert, you want to be alone. Like my, my best friend and I out of the four. So there's four personality traits. We are the same on the last three personality traits. The big difference between him and I, he's an ext, he's an introvert and I'm an extrovert. That's the main difference, but it's a world of difference. Because I'm the life of the party. If I show up somewhere, I guarantee you by the end of the night, I've met 20 people. I've met a bunch of people. I I formed a group where we're having conversations about stuff. My friend is more laid back. He sits back and he's more, he'll be part of that group, but he's listening to what people are saying, right? But when it comes to all the rest, we're exactly the same. But just the fact that he needs to spend time alone to relax and I like to go out. But... I like that you asked that question. And the, and the reason is that when I moved to the woods, one of the main reason I moved there is because as an extrovert, the hardest thing for an extrovert that is not conscious of himself is to spend time by himself. This is torture. To an extrovert, spending time by himself is torture the same way as telling an introvert that I want you to be go to that party and be the life of the party. It is not natural. This is not how we are. But if you are conscious of the type of individual that you are, you can modify it. I went from dreading being alone to having my days organized from four o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night. And it was always filled with, I was at the gym, I was at work, I was teaching martial art, I was always doing something. I was always, always doing something. To now, I spend probably three or four hours a day alone sitting outside with my dog on my laptop working. But my girlfriend's inside the RV and I'm outside. I do it on purpose to spend time by myself in nature. Hmm. So it is something that you can learn. And it is one of the best things that you can do is to learn how to spend time by yourself. This is one of the most powerful things you can do. Dude, that's, that's so funny that you say that. Because, you know, I've always been the type of person that um, I feel like I need alone time. So yep. I'll be like, I'll, I'll go sitting alone. Now I can do like an hour or two, you know, fine. But then I start like, all right, I got to start being around people again. I got to start having a conversation. So chances are you're just, you're not a pure extrovert. You're probably similar to me. I'm a 60-40. If you look at the... If you look at the, they're going to ask you questions. They rate you on a hundred, right? And the highest that you are between an introvert and an extrovert, that's normally what you are. But I'm sitting somewhere at like a 60, 40. I'm mm. 60% extrovert and 40% introvert. So for me to be, a, to spend time by myself is by my nature too, just not as much as being around people. So you're probably very similar to that in that way. Gotcha. Makes sense. Um... But all to say that this is where it starts, like everything we've been speaking about for probably the last 20 minutes is the first step, like the four step program that I have for the men that I, that I, that I help 
all starts there. But this is the hardest part. This is the hardest part is to really be honest with who you are, mm. what you are, especially. Like mm. not, you know, people ask me, what are, oh, so who are you or what are you? My answer is always simple. I'm an eternal student is what I am. Mm. At the end of the day, I, I've been doing research since I'm 14 years old. To this, today, I probably spent two hours this morning just reading the news, doing research, writing. This is, I do it naturally. This is what I am as a researcher. I'm a sucker for, I am one of those guys that knows about everything that have random facts for you all the time. Out of the blue makes no sense. I'm like, did you know that this is the way it works? That's me. I'm a jack of all trade, right? But this is conscience. This is consciously. I, practice this because i know this is what i do but this is just what i do and it, it sounds like it's just something that it fulfills you like I, I have to it's like why does uh you know why why does gravity act the way it does it just does you know it, it goes further than that because i consciously do it because you know look, look at society today we've become over specialized in everything Everybody mm. wants to be to be specialized in something. Everybody wants to be called an expert in a specific subject. Mm. But what people don't realize is that when you treat every piece of information or every subject as a silo, you forget that silos don't speak with each other. Like if you imagine that you have a bunch of silos, look at an empty field, look at a football field and put silos everywhere. And those are all the subjects that exists in the world and we have a tendency to over specialize in everything so when you're an expert or a specialist the definition is simple is just to say that you know a lot about that specific subject you are very well versed in that subject but when you you spend your time obsessing about one subject and one subject alone you forget all the other subjects that are out there that not only are interconnected with your subject, but you forget that everything out there is connected. Mm. Everything out there is connected. You know, there's a journalist. I don't know if you know the guy called uh, uh, Graham Hancock. Do you know the writer? Yep. So I've read multiple of his books. I love this guy. Yes. He's not a specialist in anything. He's a writer. That's his specialty. But what he does extremely well, and he inspired me, four or five years ago when I was reading one of his book and I, um, he's been on Joe Rogan's podcast multiple times and he was explaining how there, he, he deals with specialists all the time and the specialists are always telling him that he's wrong, that his yeah. theories are wrong. Right. Why? Because they cannot see further than their own nose. All they see is their specialty, but they don't realize that there's a multitude of events that's transpired through history at the same type as the history specialty that you're studying. Mm. You're not everything. There's so many things that have, that have happened over the years in the same time as what you specialize in, but because you're so specialized, you're not looking outside your subject. So I am a jack of all trade. I like to step back and look, okay, what is this? So how do you, so how do you get a man to start having courage? That's How do you question. get, it? you know, one of the biggest, one of the biggest questions that I hear all the time is how does somebody build discipline? 
Because if you can possess a skill that will change your life, it's courage and discipline. If you're capable of having both, you're unstoppable. There is nothing that you cannot accomplish if you have a set of balls and yet you're dedicated. Nothing mm. you can do. But how do you do it? How do you accomplish? How do you accomplish discipline? Mm. Normally, a- accountability. You have somebody holding you responsible. Somebody like me will be in the back in the back of your head saying, "Hey, motherfucker, what are you doing?" Right. Why are you not doing what you're supposed to be doing right now? I don't want to hear your excuse. Shut the hell up. Do your job. Mm-hmm. How did I build discipline if I didn't have a father? By going to the gym. Mm-hmm. By changing my body. By going from a 145-pound skinny guy to weighing 200 pounds. This is how I change. This is how I build discipline. By getting, by, you know what? Went to the gym. I start seeing changes. I continued going to the gym because now it becomes almost an addiction. Yeah. I'm at the gym right now. Like I'm at the gym recording this right now. So yeah. guess what I'm doing after we're done recording? I'm hitting the gym and I'm 41 years old. I spent more time in the gym than not. I've mm-hmm. been at the gym for 21 years now. So, but this is where my discipline starts from mm. by going to the gym and just saying, you know what? Be- I became addicted to the way my body started looking. I started realizing that I have a real impact on my, on my physique, there is something that is in my control and mm-hmm. I can see it in the mirror. Mm. I can see the changes and there's no doubts because they're right there in the mirror. Right. But one thing I didn't realize back then is by building my body, by building the discipline, by starting to treat my body with respect, not treating my body like a dumpster, treating it with the respect that it deserves, that my body is a machine. But mm-hmm. guess what is connected to my body? My mind. And if I treat my machine like garbage, do you honestly believe that my, that, that your mind can operate to a level that it's supposed to be operating at? Of course not. But this is all where it starts. It starts with your physique. Change your physique. Learn how to modify your body to what you want it to look like. And by the time you start achieving that, you'll realize that you've built power over your mind. Mm-hmm. And this is where you can start playing with your mind and start to understand how you actually work, how you actually are. And before you know it, you're full of discipline. Before you know it, that discipline is everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then you can start going after courage. You can tell yourself, you know what? I built courage by stepping in a ring. Mm. I was bullied as a teenager and I was a victim. I was a coward. I was a victim. Mm. But what are the two choices that you have when you're, you're a victim and you're a coward? Continue to be a coward or learn how to defend yourself. Mm. Those are your two choices. There's nothing else. Mm. So I chose to defend myself. I chose to learn. Next thing I know, my coach was putting me into a ring. I never wanted to fight. I had no interest in fighting. But my coach saw something I didn't, so I fought. And then you know what you realize? Oh, shit, I'm not made out of glass. I'm a lot harder to break than I thought. Holy shit, I actually had the balls to step in the ring with somebody that wanted to hurt me. Mm. So, oh shit, not only am I disciplined because I'm going to the gym five to 10 times a week between martial art and hitting, uh, hitting the gym to push weights, but now I, I went against my fear of getting beat up and I actually did something with courage. Right. Right. Definitely. For sure. Training is like step zero. Like anything, you got to start training. You got to start training. 100%. 100%. It's a non nego I don't have kids yet, but my girlfriend and I are drawing on it, are, are, are working on this. And 
this is one thing that is non-negotiable. My kids will be fit. My kids will eat well. And my kids will do martial arts. Whatever Ooh. they do after they're 18 or after they leave my house, I don't care. But until that day, I, man or woman, daughter or boy, you will be fit. Mm. This is a must. It's no non-negotiable. It's there's no negotiation, no mm. negotiation. Yeah, just want to touch on that real quick because um, you know, I have a daughter. I have sole custody of her. Good for you. Being a masculine man, like it automatically creates that uh, that dynamic in your uh, in your offspring. Like she's naturally in her feminine. Because she doesn't have to worry about me not being in my masculine. Nope. And it's a beautiful thing. Beautiful. And, you know, I tell people all the time, especially fathers, is it's not really, it's about you, but it's not about you. Mm -hmm. You got to do what you got to do to make sure that you show up beautiful for your kids. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, it affects them. You could say anything you want, but that's just the truth. It's the reality of it. The statistics are there to prove it. Yes. If you look at the statistic, only about 10% of kids that don't have, that don't live with their two parents are raised solely by men. So you're in the less of the 10% of the population that are raising kids by themselves that are men. But if you look at the statistics, it's incredible. Girls and boys that are raised by single father do better in school. They do better managing their emotion. They're not as homeless. They don't have problems with addiction. It's incredible. But if you compare a girl or a boy that is raised by a single woman compared to a single man, we, the kids will outachieve the kids that are born, that are, that are raised by single women. And this doesn't go against the, against women. Right. It is just that men and women have different roles when it comes to family, how they discipline, like discipline. Where does it come from? Men. This is yeah. something that's naturally men. Right. And you know, have a conversation, you have conversation with your wife, your girlfriend. And this is something we, my girlfriend and I spoke about multiple times, but I don't care about your feelings. There are things like martial art that you're going to do. And I don't care what you think. Right. Mothers will be more, Oh yeah, but they don't feel like doing it. I don't care. Right. This is not an option. Right. I care more about you being a protector when you're older or you as a woman learning how to defend yourself, then I care about your feelings. At this right. point, I'm your father. I'm your parent. You're going to shut the hell up and you're going to do what I'm telling you to do because this matters more. You're a child. You don't know. Right now right. is my job to tell you. Right. And, you know, when you say that, and when like you're a, a father, this is why, you know, as you can tell why the statistics, you mm-hmm. get the numbers as they are. Mm-hmm. It's because it's simple. I could take, I could tell you so many times you know, with my daughter's come like emotions, doesn't want to do something. And it's not, you don't have to be an asshole saying it. It's like you teach her, like, it's funny. You're like, baby, life is funny. This is the way life works. Okay. You say you don't want to do something, but the only thing you have in this life is your word. If you say you're going to do something, you have to do it it's because it's not about you. It's about, we all need other people in this life. And if you don't do what you say you're going to do to the other people. They're not going to trust you and the word's going to get around. And it's not going to help you in life. And with the emotions, no, I don't feel like doing it. We all feel like that. <laughs> but if I didn't feel like getting up today and feeding you and I just went with my emotions, <laughs> you wouldn't eat. 
That's a good point, eh? That's yeah, a good way to put it. But and that's what's great about men too is they're able to convey these messages that make them laugh that are funny, but they get the point. It's just amazing. And and you know, as much as I spend my time speaking about masculinity, about speaking about boys, speaking about fatherhood, one of the things that is also greatly needed is for girls, little girls to have fathers. Mm. You know, years ago, my best friend told me something and it's always stuck into my head. And I've said it a hundred times, if it's not a thousand times now, is as a, as a man, if you go, when you go on a first date with a woman, the first question when you sit down that you should ask is for her to give you or to tell you her most fond memory of her father. Mm. And her reaction will tell you everything you need to know. If that woman starts becoming aggressive, starts swearing, start calling him names, pay the bill and get out of there. Avoid the trouble. That woman, none. you know what? There's bad fathers out there. There's assholes everywhere. There's nothing you can do about that. But you can't change your past, but you can't change your view of that past. If mm. you let that past still dictate your future, you have not done the work that you're supposed to do in order to move forward. And that woman has not. And if you understand that the first masculine love of a woman comes from the father, is, is her father. Who is the mm. first male that they love? Their father. So imagine that the first man that they're supposed to love, they don't, they don't like him or they hate him. What does it say about a relationship? You think you have any chance or you're stepping into, you're, you're stepping into a situation where it's a lose-lose situation. You cannot win that. On the other hand, if that girl starts getting emotional, she cries, she's just like, oh, you know, we did this that day. He brought me to that place and she's all teared up. Stay. She's worth learning. She, she might not be your type of woman. Maybe at the end of the day, she's not you. She's not your type, but she's worth exploring. She's mm. worth speaking to because that woman either had a great father. That means that her view of a man are extraordinary or she made peace with the lack of her father, the shortcomings of her father to a point where she's able to see the good amongst the bad. That means no matter what she did the work. And this is what I was saying, you know, at the beginning, we're talking about choosing a partner with aligned values. This is one of the, this is one of the biggest ones. No, this is 100%, 100%. And the beauty about you raising your, your daughter, the way you are, you are establishing that your daughter will never be with assholes that, you know, that expression, oh, she has daddy issues. It ain't a joke. This is literally what it means. We made a mockery of it as in, oh, I want a woman with daddy issues. That means her confident is shot. That means that I can talk to her like I'm a jerk and she'll, she'll respond to that. That's never going to be the problem of your, your daughter. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it is funny. I mean, cause if you've spent any time, and um, any of these uh, men's communities, some of you seem like you just treat her like a jerk and she'll love you for that. Sure. Sure. But dude, I, that's not going to, you're nothing genuine is ever going to come out of that. Nothing. There's going to be no real connection, no real bond. Or how about whenever like you're in a tough position and you just need to like talk about something or someone's input, that chick's going to run away because they're like, Oh, you're too soft now. Like, well, bye-bye, when it could have been something very important that needed to be discussed. 
you know, it's even worse than that. All those um, shit. How do you call that movement? I cannot remember what they're called. They started, man, almost 20 years ago. I think the first book was written on how to play, how to play with the psyche oh, of women. Oh, the pickup artists. Pickup yeah. artists. Thank you. Yeah. P-O-A, yeah. Pickup. P-U-A. Yeah. P-U-A's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you use P-U-A tactics on women, you're a fucking asshole. Like you're a jerk. Like not only are you, you're literally using psychology or NLP to mess with people's mind. Mm. You know, I was reading this book called uh, the man, the man maker project. It's written by a guy called uh, Chris Bruno. Mm. It's if you're not Christian, it might not talk to you because he does a lot of reference to the Bible, but the book was given to me by a guy I met in Colorado and one of the things that he mentions in there, which I absolutely love the way he said it, is always look at women as a human being and not an object of your sexual desires. Mm. If you start looking at women for not what they can bring you sexually, but as a human being that has emotion, that is her own person, you start questioning yourself. And I, as I'm 41 years old, man. I never thought about it this way until I wrote, I finished that book last week. Mm. And now everything, every time, like I'll be at the gym, I see a beautiful woman wearing super short, everything now, you know, your mind goes there right well, away, right? You're just like, like you cannot you, be a man and that <laughs> not happen to you. <laughs> but automatically you start imagining you're naked bent over and what you right. would do to her. This is where our mind goes. Right. I don't care that you're married. You might not admit it to your wife, but you know, deep down, that's what you're thinking. Right. But then as I've been saying, if you spend a lot of time looking at yourself in the mirror, you notice your patterns. You, you notice what you do instinctively. And then you start realizing you're like, Oh shit, why do I do that? And this I learned last week, like those words, I'm like, man, now every time I've looked over the past week, I still see beautiful. I saw one earlier, just as I was refilling my bottle earlier, there's one that was working out and I'm like, oh, I'm like, bro, don't do it. She doesn't yeah. deserve that. However she is, she doesn't deserve me mentally treating her that way. Mm. And this is not only bad energy that I'm putting out there, but it ties up to what we were saying right at the beginning that men need to control their sexual urges. And this is a sexual urge. Mm. Me going there automatically is a lack of control that I have over my emotions and over my sexual urge. Mm. Mm. See how everything's intertwined? When you start mm. looking, stepping back and just looking at... I'm a big fan of psychology. I'm a massive fan of psychology. And once you start under... You know, uh, I don't remember who said this, but if you... Somebody that is intelligent will get to know people. Somebody that is wise will know themselves. And you, you can take it even further. If we, under, if we take for granted that we're all interconnected, that everything in this universe started with the same matter and ended up to what we are today, that means that we are all interconnected. If yeah. you get to know yourself, you get to know the universe. Mm. I love that. But but it's hard to know yourself, though. It's hard to admit that you're flawed. It's hard to admit that you're a jerk. It's hard to admit that you've hurt people. It's hard to admit that 
you're, you maybe you're selfish. Maybe you should do more. Maybe you 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 blame everybody else for your problem. But yeah, well, it's, I think that's where the challenge and the beauty lies. Is like if none of us were fucked up, then there would be no conquest to have in ourselves. Like to be mm-hmm. able to to make great things of the world, mm-hmm. have great insight, have great wisdom to help people. There would be no meaning. There would be no purpose. You know, the biggest purpose, if you if you look at a man, what is, you know, I call them the five virtues of a man. There's five virtues that a man should possess. One of them, in my opinion, is not achievable, but you should always try to work to achieve it. But I don't think, at least I'll speak for me, it's not achievable. I don't think I'll ever achieve it. But a man is supposed to be courageous. First and foremost, he needs to have courage. Without courage, nothing's possible then he needs to understand that he is a protector. Men are meant to protect families, Mm. societies, communities, whatever it is. We are the first and the last line of defense for everything. We're meant to be providers. If you look at society today, people might, feminists forgot, and a lot of men forget this, but men built this society. Men work behind the scene to maintain it men do jobs they hate for 40 years just so that they can make they can provide a better life to their children this is what men do yeah we are we need to be courageous we need to know how to defend ourselves our families and to become protectors we need to make money in order to provide we need to provide a house that's considered a safe space i hate the word safe space but there's only one place that it exists and a man should be able to create that for his children once you leave that front door, safe spaces are not real. Right. But inside that house, you should give an environment where your kids can evolve, can grow. Mm. That is safe for their development because in a survival mode, you never learn because you're too busy surviving. So if you're always fighting to stay alive, you'll never learn. All you're going to do is survive. So you right. need to give that area, that space to your children, where to your wife, to your family, where they can develop. But you also need to develop temperance. This is the hardest one. I don't think, to me, I'll never be possible. Just, I get better. Every day I get better. But I have a very hot temper. I always have. It's getting better. Sorry, my temper is always there. I'm just very, I'm not, I'm a lot better at hiding it and not letting it control me. But deep down, I want to murder people every day. Every day I want, there's at least one person I'm going to meet that I would love to dig a hole for them. Yeah, I don't think, I don't, as most, most people never want to admit this. <laughs> everybody, like every, especially every dude has it in them or just thinks about it. Like, dude, I just want to punch that motherfucker in the face. Yeah. Like, it could be like just waking up. Nobody had to do anything. They just looked at you a certain way. Like, yeah. I just want to fucking punch him. You know, Dr. Uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson talks about this all the time that, a man needs to be vicious. A man needs to have something in him that is, I call it the monster. Like I always imagined it as in like, I'm a big fan of dogs. So I like muscular, big muscular dogs. I always imagine like a 140 pound American bulldog with the spike collar. That's my right. monster, but he's on a leash. He's always pinned down. Right. And, and a hopeful, hopefully I never have to use him. Right. Nobody wants to, but it's there for a no. reason. Like you take yeah. You take all this civilization away from us. Bring us back to. Uh, it's like, yep, yeah. You, it's you'll soon quickly realize why we are the way we are. A hundred percent. I agree with you. A hundred percent. It is. 
it's meant to be there. There's a reason it's there and it is up to you to control it. That's why temperance is so important. This is why my fourth virtue of a good man is to be tempered. Because if you let your emotions control you or your monster control you, you are easily controllable. That means that I can fuck with you whenever I want. If you let your emotion drive you, that means I can simply go up to you and start saying the things that I would do to your wife. And you lose your shit, bro, you're so easily controlled. Right. That means that anybody out there can control you, can make you make mistakes. And one day, who knows, you'll make one single mistake that's going to end up you in jail. You'll end up killing somebody. You'll end up doing something so stupid that you'll never be able to forgive yourself just because you lack temperance, just because you did not have control over yourself. Right. How many times do you see that in sports? How many times uh, someone's egged somebody on just to get somebody to mess up to cost their team? It's all the time. Psychological warfare. And it happens all the time. It happens in war. Mm -hmm. It happens in sports. It happens in traffic. How many times have people giving me the finger for something that they did? Does it, you know, for years, uh, I've, I have followed people back home because I've been fighting for a long time. Like I fought for, for years. I know how to fuck somebody up. And, but if somebody, if you have the tools to hurt people, but you have no control over it, that is a very dangerous person right there. You know how many people have given me the finger and I ended up parking in a way that they can't leave, follow them home, step out of my car at a red light, step out of my car at a store. How many times have I done that? How Mm. stupid of me was it? I had a guy, you know, what made me realize how stupid I was is, I would be consumed by that moment for hours after it happened. It would be in my mind and I would replay it and replay it and replay it. And just like, what the the things that I could have done to that guy, that guy deserved me hurting him. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Chances are that guy never thought about me again after that. Oh, I bet. He he gave me the finger and he went on on his day. You know, there's a rap song I heard years and years ago. I can't even tell you who it is. One second. One second. Okay, so you you were talking about um, I was talking about you get out of the car. You know, I there's an old rap song that I can't even remember who sings it, but the guy basically said that letting you should never let somebody live in your head rent free. And that's all, that always stuck to me. I have no idea who said it. I tried to Google it afterwards. Maybe I'm on crack and I'm the one that thought about it, but I doubt it. I swear I heard that somewhere, but all to say that you should never let people live in your mind. No, it's your mind. You should control that. So man, it's everywhere. Losing your cool is something that should be avoided at all costs. Yeah. Because not only, only that, you reason, can't even think straight after that. Like, but that's exactly right. The yeah. only time that you should lose it is in a life or death situation. You wake up in the middle of the night and there's somebody in your house. Your kids are there. Your wife is there. I can tell you this, that I'm a very nice guy in person. I will do anything to help you. Like I'm the type to pick up garbage of other people on the ground. I'm the type to stop on highways to help people. This mm-hmm. is me. But fuck with my family, see what happens to you. Yeah. Um, I will rip that head off your shoulder and go back to bed afterward. No problem. 
Yeah. But that is the only time that is, that it is, that type of behavior is okay. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. It should never be okay outside of defending your family, outside of defending yourself. And then the five, the fifth virtue to me is not, I would argue that it's probably the most important is faith. Mm-hmm. You need to have faith. You need to, and, and I know most people, I'm a Christian. I am not your typical Christian, obviously, but I am somebody that believes in God. And, you know, most people see faith as an extremely religious term, but so I, I normally explain it in a way where there's three types of faith and nothing happens without faith. And let me tell you why that is. If you look at self-confidence, how is it ever possible to build confidence in yourself if you don't first have faith in yourself that mm. you don't believe that you're capable of achieving something? This is the first step to building to self-confidence is to believe that you're capable of doing something. Then how can you ever build a new relationship with someone or a relationship with a new person if you don't first have faith that they are the person they say they are? Mm. You can't trust others if you don't trust, if you don't believe that they are who they are, who they say they are. And to go back to purpose, how does, how can you ever find your life's purpose if you don't first believe or have faith in the fact that you were put here for a reason, that you have a reason for living, that your life means something and you're supposed to accomplish something, whatever that is. But if you don't first believe that you were put here for a reason, how can you ever find real purpose, your life purpose? It's mm. very true. Or how can you do anything? Like, how can you even go out the front door if you don't have faith that you're not going to come back at the end of the day? You know, one of the, one of the things that has allowed me over the years to do all the things that I've been doing is the fact that I know to my, to the, to the core of my soul that what I'm doing right now is, is exactly what I should be doing. There's no question. I never doubt it. Never, never. It is so freeing to know that God has put me here in order to help other men become manly or reclaim their masculinity. Mm. So this is what I do every day. This is all I think about every day. And it's not because I force it. It's just because I know why I was here because I did the work to figure out what my purpose is. And now my purpose is everywhere. Everything I do, everything I do is attached to that. Mm. Yeah. But I never question it. It's right. not a question. It's not, it's not, eh, is it what I'm, no, it is. It is. I'm always finding new ways and developing new ways to get there. But at the end of the day, it always comes down to the fact that this is what I'm meant to do. And I have all the faith in the world that this is what I'm supposed to do. There's no questions. It's Mm. very freeing to not to question yourself is very freeing. Mm. It's like removing a hundred pound off your shoulder to just say, "Hmm, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. If you stop doubting that, you can stop wasting your time questioning yourself. Instead, question how you're going to accomplish it. Instead of accompl- instead of oh, is that what I'm supposed? I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Mm. How about for the people that are in the entrepreneur space or you know their own business, and they're always like, "How long is this going to take? Is this even going to work out?" You know, I I feel like that's just so 
freeing there of its own. It's like, dude, if you enjoying what you're doing, mm-hmm. whether that regardless of social media day and age, it takes two years, it takes 12 years, 15 years. If you're happy and you know this is what you're supposed to be doing, just let it be. You know, man, when I when I, I when I left Canada about a year ago, I left my job as a sales engineer, which is a very high paying job. And I refinanced my house. I cashed all my investments. I dumped that in an account. And I've been trying to build a business ever since. As I'm traveling in an RV to places, we never know where we're going. Mm-hmm. I don't even know this morning. My girlfriend and I are starting to figure out where we're going because where we are right now will expire in two weeks. We have no clue. We have no idea what we're going next. We want to go down south because we don't want to winter anymore, but we don't know. We have no clue. could be Texas. It could be Florida. We don't know. We have no clue where we're going. But we have faith that wherever we're going is the right place. And this is what your conscious told you. This is what you have to do. It's my heart that tells me that. Mm. You know, forever, I was calling it my instincts. Forever, until very recently, until the last year, I was always calling it instinct. I've always had very good instincts. I've always listened to my Mm. instinct. And I came to realize over the past year that it has nothing to do with instincts. I just always had faith. If something told me to do something, if that little voice inside of me is telling me, you should do this, I don't even question it. I simply Mm. say, yes, this is what I'm going to do. Like months ago, we were in uh, Yuma, Arizona, which is basically connected to Mexico, right? And we were just there because we needed to get out of the U.S. and come in back in as 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 visitors in Canada. From Canada, we have six months visa, right? So we went to Mexico for a little while. We came back. It resets our 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 visitor visa. And the we were I was in Yuma. I was walking my dog. We're right on the Colorado River. I'm a big fan of cigars. I was sitting there, a beautiful day. I'm just sitting in the sand, looking at the Colorado River with my dog, with nothing else, and I'm smoking a cigar. And something told me that I needed to spend two more months in Yuma. We're supposed to be there for a week. We ended up spending two and a half months there Mm. just because something told me as I was sitting there with my dog, that I needed to spend more time there. And I'm I'm very fortunate. I'm blessed that my girlfriend knows me because I went back to the RV. Imagine this. Your, your boyfriend just left with the dog. He went to walk for half an hour, an hour, whatever. And you're making plans to leave in two, three days. The guy comes back. He's like, hey, can you renew for another two months? No, but she never questioned me. And this is why it's so important to find, again, we all, I always come back to that, but it's always, it's, that's why it's so crucial to have somebody that their values align with you. My girlfriend has a hundred percent faith in me and she expects me as a man to be the leader. She expects me to lead. So it's not an argument. I will listen to her opinion. Like right right now, I'm telling her, where would you like to go? And she's like, oh, we could go there. We could go there. We could go there. But at the end of the day, I'm the one that's going to choose. Right. I'm going to the one that, that's going to tell her, you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I agree. Let's go there. Or you know what? No, I disagree with you. We should go there. Guess what? It's not an argument. 
We're not, we're not getting in a fight over this. She knows that I have the last word, but it's not in a way where I'm more powerful than you are. It is right. just in a way that I allow, as you so said earlier, my girlfriend is very feminine. This is why I, this is why mm. I love my girlfriend because mm-hmm. she lives her feminine. But that also means she chose an alpha male. She chose a man that lives as masculine every day. Mm-hmm. So why would she cut my, try to cut my balls off and not let me lead? when this is what a man is supposed to lead. Yeah, I definitely noticed that um, there's so many, like so many, you could say women without fathers and all. Mm. I mean, you could be one of the most masculine alpha type of dudes out there, but Mm. women who are not in their feminine or like don't even have any clue as to be it will never, will never give that up. Never. And... You Which know, is fine, you know, it's just great because that's, you don't want to be around that anyways. But the thing is, is that it's not fine. This is why this is happening so much is because we're letting it happen. We, we, we believe that this is fine, but it is not fine. And let me tell you why, because eventually that woman will dread you. That woman will hate you because you're not allowing her to be feminine. Right. When, no, I- you, you know, there's exceptions when it comes to there are women that are more masculine by nature and there's more men, there's men that are more feminine by nature. This is just the way they are. This is how they were made. And it's, it's nor good or bad. It just is. There's, there's no problems there. But if you force a feminine woman in a masculine role because you're not manly enough to take that role for her, she might let it happen for a while but i guarantee you one day she will resent you for it and guess what she will leave you for somebody that fills the role that she needs to be filled from her partner Mm. that is without a doubt and you know you were saying this if if a man doesn't have the discipline or the conviction to do something for himself do it for your family and i agree with you a thousand percent you know I was talking about this on a podcast yesterday and the guy asked me, what about the young men that are 20 years old? What should they do? I'm like, prepare yourself, acquire the virtues that your family are going to need from you. They will need you to be courageous. So do things that scares you. They will need you to be a provider. So guess what? Find those natural skills that you have and push them. Fuck how you feel about, oh, but this is what my passion. No, no, screw your passion. Right now, your job is to become a provider because one day you will have a family that you will need to provide for and they will depend on you for it. Become a protector. It's not because you don't have anybody to protect right now outside of yourself that you shouldn't be a killer. You should be. You should be a killer, but have it under control. You should be tempered so you don't lose your shit every single time your wife does something that is feminine. That you don't lose your shit every single time you do something that your, your, your kids are doing because they're kids. And right. you should have faith because faith will remove that massive weight off your shoulder. It's the responsibility of somebody else. All I need to do is do what I know I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'd even take that a step further. It's like build the skills that you need to now. Cause I know it's hundred percent. It's, it's hard. Like it, it, I know it could be, a, you know, tough to tell a young man, like, dude, listen, you know, I've been there. Like I've been the dude that's chased after so many girls, you know, and I've got to pay the, I've had to pay the price for that in my thirties for mm-hmm. sure. Yep. At the end of the day, that urge 
to want to have sex with a lot of females is always going to be there. There's always like, there's just always going to be another hot chick. hundred percent. Right. No matter how many times you do something with chick, it's never going to add up to just building a skill set. No. You know, I know it's very popular in um, the men's community to be like, well, yeah, you want to sleep with as many chicks as you can to, get that uh, get a skill set so where she doesn't leave you in bed. It's like, dude, that's not true at all. Like you could you could have, you know, be the most dynamic in bed, but if you ain't got nothing to show for anything, if you can't provide, why is anybody going to want to start a family for, with you? You know, the um, what are the two things that women look in a man when it comes to a long-term relationship? I would say security and you know, just leadership. Maybe that ties into both. So women want, <clears throat> they want resources. So money, let's mm. call a spade a spade. And they want status. They want somebody that makes them look good. That's why doctor, that, that's why women that are married to doctors, they're always going to say it to anybody that's listening, that their husband's a doctor because it holds status. A lawyer is the same thing politicians why do you think there's a first lady because that gives her status to be married to a powerful man mm. men need to understand that you don't need to compete for women women will compete amongst each other 95% of women fight for the top 5% of men this is what every single study out there shows that in their 20s and even in their 30s all women out there fight for the top 5%. So instead of trying to manipulate women through uh, pickup artist techniques, how about you spend all your living time mastering yourself and becoming a provider, becoming a protector? Because those are the skills that women expect from a real man. So yeah. why... Spend your time trying to sleep with a bunch of whores, call a spade a spade. How about you start developing yourself to become a top 5% and have the women fight for you? Right. Even just to take that more a little bit further is if you're doing those things, the women are naturally going to come anyways. 100%. Because you, you, yep. when you're working on yourself, you know, it's funny. You people want to learn all this like game and all this like techniques and all that. But dude, if you're just working on building yourself, you're going to give off that kind of energy that people naturally, you know, attract to. Like, doesn't matter who you are. People see that and like, oh, even if it's like a dude, they'll want to be a friend with you. A chick, she'll want to talk to you. And then once you start talking, things just play out. So it's really funny. It, but it's so simple. Mm -hmm. But it comes down, you know, one of the biggest problems that we have when it comes to men and women is that we don't realize what we control. Mm. We do not spend, we don't have enough self-understanding to realize what it is at the end of the day that we control. Mm. And there's only three things that we control. We control our emotions. We control our actions. And we control our reactions. That's it. And 
you know, controlling your emotion is one thing. Controlling your action is normally the easiest one. Like being able to sit down and plan your stuff because that's what an action is, right? It's just a step that you take. But what's the hardest one to control is your reaction when you unconsciously react to something. Mm. But people don't understand that those are the only three things you have the power to control. Everything outside of that does not belong to you. Like Mm. right now, I want to hit the gym. Once I'm done the gym, I'm going to pick up some stuff at the grocery store. What's my, my action is to go to the grocery store. Am I going to get there or not? Out of my control. Out of my control. For all I know, there's a drunk guy that's going to kill me in the car. Mm-hmm. Knocking on wood that that's not what's going to happen. But what I'm saying is those are my choice. I choose to go there. But there's nothing telling me that I'm not going to meet an asshole that's going to give me the finger that if I didn't have enough temperance, I end up going to jail for beating up somebody. Yeah. And But see... I think that the reason why people are so scared to admit this to themselves is because it makes them feel powerless. It makes them feel like we so are out of control that most of the things that happens around us is out of our control. And it, and they're right. It is out of our control. But it makes us so powerful at the same time that yes. if you understand what you don't control, and as I said about faith, you remove that burden and just say, you know what? I accept. And it comes back to what we were saying earlier. Why are people so scared of losing control? Because they're scared to die. At the end of the day, they're scared that one day that light's going to shut off. That's mm-hmm. the biggest scare. That, that's one of the biggest fears that people are going to have. That means, oh shit, I don't control it. So I'm going to do everything I can not to die. But mm. it's not in your control. Mm-hmm. You could die. I could die 50 years from now. Like I could die tomorrow. Again, out of my control. So why would I prevent a fear from controlling my life when I can simply say, you know what? It is a fact that I'm going to die. I will mm. accept that fact and make sure that I live five lifetimes within the lifetime that's given to me. Make mm. sure that every single time I want to do something, I just do it. Right. Because this is my power. I control those actions. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, that's too funny. I was just having a conversation with a, a guy and he was just saying that, um, those who are try to seek the most control have no control. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that's so powerful. Cause it's, it's just so true. Like why, if you are truly in control of yourself, why would you need control over any other thing? any other thing in the world you don't control them it's an illusion yeah it this is why to me meditation has changed my life being able because meditation all all meditation is at the end of the day is to stand still within that moment Mm -hmm. is to let everything around you happen counting your emotions counting nature counting whatever happens around you and you being still This is all it is. You are just living. You are controlling your action, your reactions, and your emotion during that time frame. But you accept that everything around you can happen. You know, I meditate in gyms all the time. Every time I finish a workout, I'll meditate because I need to snap back off the adrenaline that I've been going on for an hour. And before I get back into the world, 
I need to center myself back to remove that very masculine energy to just recenter yes. myself. Cause I'd right. be curious. I'd be curious to see a study of accidents that happen, like violence happening when guys leave the gym. And I'm ready to put my hand to fire to say that there is a, a lot more violent incident, like road rage, for example, being one of them that will happen right after the gym because guys have been pumping themselves with high beat or whatever pumps them up music wise. <laughs> yeah. And they've been right. hitting the gym for an hour and they don't right. recenter themselves. They just get out there. What do you think is going to happen? Everything's going to piss you off. Everything's going to affect you. So I'd be curious to see. I've mm. I, I look for those studies, but they don't exist. At least I've never been able to find them. So if somebody finds them, send them my way. I would love to see them, but meditation is everything. Being able to, control yourself in a busy environment, which is one of the reasons I do it in a gym. I love to do it in a gym because everything's going on around me. I can't mm -hmm. control that. Right. You know, there's a meditator. I was reading his book and he was saying that he used to live in the middle of nowhere and he was used to meditating by himself. Mm -hmm. So when you're meditating, there's no noise. It's very easy to just be. But then he moved to Mumbai, which is one of the busiest, one of the busiest city in the world. And he was explaining how all the beeping, all the noise, all the surrounded traffic was driving him nuts because he lived right in the middle of the city. Mm -hmm. But before long, it, the city became silent to him. Mm. When he was, he was so used, he became so used to the noise that it, it just became background noise. It just became, instead of focusing on the silent, he started focusing on the noise. So as he's just sitting there, and I do this all the time, I'll be meditating in a busy place and I'm trying to pick out every single sound and just like, hey, what's that? Oh, that's so cool. That happened. Oh, what's this? Oh, shit. Do you feel the air? Like just somebody, oh, probably that somebody's walking by me right now. And wow. you're so aware you can feel the low displacement of air around you. Wow. Wow, that's beautiful. But that's just living, brother. Right. That, that's what I was saying. Why do you think I love dogs? Yeah. My dog does that hours a day. She's just there and she does nothing. She has no toys. She has nothing. She's just standing there. She's looking around. She does that all the time. She's staring. She stares into nothing. And what is she doing? She's living. She is mm. living, literally living with no distractions. She's sorry. She's not living. She's being is what I should say. Mm. Dogs are the... uh ultimate when it comes to the present moment they're my favorite animal and that's one of the reasons why after spending so much time around dogs i've noticed that they are the most buddhist thing on this planet is a dog you cannot live more in a moment than a dog that's all they do a hundred percent of the time every day that's beautiful nika where can people find you at Uh, you can go to my website at nicolagan.com. You can find me on YouTube at nicolagan.com and on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook at Real Nicolagan. Oh, brother, I appreciate you coming on and having the conversation. I could talk to you about this for hours. I This is something I, I can talk about forever, too. I, I live this, man. This is all I do, so I appreciate it, man. I hear you. All right, thanks for coming on, brother. I appreciate it. Man. Absolutely. Everybody, 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 everybody.